You're listening to Kraken Fancast. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans. By Seattle Kraken fans. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'm here with my colleague, Jim Cockrell, and a very special guest who we'll introduce in just a moment. And uh, we'll be here, of course, as always, for some Seattle Kraken hockey talk. Before we start all of this, I want to give a big, big thanks to our sponsor, the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey themed bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. If you're not going to the Kraken game, catch the game at the Angry Beaver. All right. Um, we've got three games to talk about. Um, but before we get to that, I do want to uh, give a big uh, shout out and warm welcome to Nick Florian Krell, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Nick, you're a correspondent for Inside the Rink. You also do some of your own uh, postings and things. Uh, t- 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 tell us a little bit about Nick Florian Krell for those who, who aren't, aren't familiar with you on, on social media. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm Nick Krell. I go by Nick Krell. It's smoother. You like um, Nick Krell? But okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, I, it also right. it's easier, Nick I think, Krell. for people. Yeah. Legally, I have to go by Nick Florian Krell for now. But uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I guess Florida, uh, Florida, New England kid, Florida man or Southern man now that I'm not in Nashville. It's pretty cool. Just moved to Smashville from Miami, Florida in September. Very happy to be here. First uh, Christmas coming up soon in Smashville. It's awesome. It's great to be in a hockey town again. Feels great. Uh, love it. Um, yeah, uh, New England kid, Florida man. What can I say? You know, <laughs> a long, a long time hockey fan. And uh, yes, sir. Yeah. I, I would you say you're more passionate about it now than maybe you were before, or have you always been like super into it? So I've always been, I'm a very passionate person in general, you know, like uh, hockey was always kind of there. I, I grew up in uh, New England for the most part. So uh, when I moved to New Hampshire in Lyme, New Hampshire, uh, nearest hockey team uh, was the Dartmouth hockey team, Dartmouth men's college team. So I would go to, that's where I kind of got introduced by my friend, Ryan Finley, his buddy, uh, my buddy would, uh, would cater to the uh, team. So he would go and we'd help him set up and then go to the games and, do some stuff in the locker rooms, you know, mess around with the sticks and 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 the equipment, and then run out of there and all that. We were, you know, kids, and uh, I just really loved it from the get go. I was a big soccer guy growing up. I played uh, professionally or semi professionally, I should say, and I uh, was really onto that. I always was interested in hockey though, but didn't. I was too scared to try. I didn't want to get myself injured. Um, so it was hockey was always there. And then I want to say after like right out of high school, and I really like dived into it, uh, like head on and uh started skating like a year or so ago so now i'm really into it yeah right on well welcome i know you you and uh, jim have corresponded a lot so you guys have a lot to talk about coming up uh we're gonna go through our regular game recaps you're more than welcome to chime in i i understand you watched the last three as we did fortunately or unfortunately and we'll get unfortunate in a second but uh, glad glad to have you here nick um glad to be here so as so as I mentioned, you know, since our pre- previous episode, uh, we there, are, um, you know, it's it's well, we've had three games, and it's funny. In our previous episode, I my quote was the past three games have been disappointing, and to some of us, in an alarming way. Well, this alarming trend continues. We're talking about three more games here that the Kraken 
have lost all three making their losing streak as of this recording shortly before the Florida Panther game, eight game losing streak. I think it's the worst they've had in their history. Uh, what is going on with these guys? We'll talk a little bit about that, uh, but let's um, let's go uh, through each game. Uh, this, all, this whole row uh, starts on December 7th. New Jersey Devils, Seattle Kraken, uh, you know, a, a competitive game. Uh, the team uh, loses that, the Kraken, that is, uh, loses it uh, two to one. Uh, I'm trying to get a look to my notes here. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, another game where Seattle handily, handily outshot their opponents, 38 to 17 in this case. Um, face-off wins were very, very even on some of the other stats. Um, maybe you know, devils a little bit more, but, but the stat that means the most, the stat that means the most, of course, is the amount of goals. And, uh, these guys, uh, just couldn't get it. Uh, all these shots and we're seeing this trend in a lot of the games, but no quality shots, or I don't know, they make stars out of the opponent, uh, the opposing goalies. Uh, you know, uh, it started off in first period with plot from the devils, uh, get, getting, getting a goal, uh, Ty Cartier tied it up, uh, seven twelve into the second period. So it's looking good. And then, uh, a little later on in the second period, Nemec from the devils, uh, gets them ahead two to one. And then that's it. That was it of the scoring. Um, so that one was, that one was a really tough game, Jim. Um, and you know, thought, thought, thoughts on that one. Yep. Uh, first of all, Nick, thanks for coming on. It's good to see your face again, buddy. Good to see you, Jim. Thanks. All right. Yeah. So getting to that game, Chris, we were there. That was the yep. start of the homestand. Um, it was also the introduction of uh, Riker Evans, rookie, uh, skate and game. Great great to see him up. Yep. Yeah, it yeah, is. He loves him. Yeah. It, it just And uh, it was also the return of Burakovsky for a bit. For a minute. Um, yeah, nine yeah. minutes and eight seconds of ice time and then another injury. So we can get into that later, too. Uh, the thing about this game is it continues the streak of the other the opponent scoring first and putting us in a hole. And this is like this has been a trend since the San Jose game that you and I were, or that uh, the seven to one blast. So that's a long run right there of being in the hole. Um and then the a late goal killer as well from Palat, the first goal that was late in the period, and you know that that's that's even a more demoralizing. Um, Ty looked good. In fact, he was the player of the game easily for the uh, Kraken, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it was interesting to see uh, Nemec get his first goal. He was the second player picked in the same draft as Shane Wright, second overall. Um, and then you know, obviously, I'm a Kraken fan. But I do enjoy looking at watching superstars roll through the zone and seeing what they can do. I mean, I love the game first and foremost. And to see Jack Hughes at this level right now on his edge work, and oh, his yeah. heads, he's just, it's weird because, you know, he's been in the league now, what is it, three or four? I can't even remember. But he was a slow starter. Plus, he got injured a couple of times. So it set him back some. But man, Looking at him now and hearing the way everybody, all the analysts and professionals are talking about him, it's no doubt he's one of the top in the league right now. Um, so that was enjoyable on a you know losing effort anyway. But yeah, the shots and it felt like another stolen game with Schmid, uh, Schmid or however you want to, I think it is Schmidt. Somebody said you pronounce it like kid. So there you go, another robbery. Um, yeah, it's it's what it is, you know. 
It is. Yeah, and it's frustrating. We we have it's a it's kind of a trend if you look at the next three games. I know we'll get there, but it's that you almost had it and it just gets the, the rug gets pulled right at the last second. And it's just it's simple turnovers. It's com- just completing passes that we're not completing. Um, offensive production is not where we want it to be at all. I mean, the long look, I love Cardi as Jim, as you know, we'll get into that later, but I love Cart's. Um, but the fact that he's the lone goal scorer for the Kraken in this game against the Devils, it's, I mean, they are a big team, but that's when we need our superstars to step up. Jared McCann, yep. Yanni Gord, uh, Schwartzy, uh, Beneers, you know, we we have a pretty star-studded lineup, I think. And for them to not be producing the way that they can be, which has been, unfortunately, the trend, but, you know, you expect in big games like this, big players to step up. It's great. Again, it's, I love Cardi. Love that he steps up here. But again, for that to be the only goal of the game, it, it's it's very telling, you know? You know, you mentioned the, some guys, like, for instance, though, it, to be fair, I mean, McCann has been having a, a solid season. We've even seen Bjorkstrand uh, with a good amount of goals. But then on the other hand, you've mentioned uh, Maddie way too quiet um a lot of other guys like we we lean toward the same three or four guys for goals and none of the other guys are stepping up and that's that that's what's that's what's so perplexing and um and this devil's game i mean i just felt you know they were controlling the game so much you're like it's gotta give it's just gotta give some something getting getting past you know schmidt in this case and uh geez the kids blocks up 33 shots you know Way to make them a star, guys. Um, so so there you go. So there was that Jersey game uh, day off, and then uh, they got a back-to-backs with Tampa Bay and Minnesota. And the uh, Tampa Bay game, um, another close one. Uh, and this one went to overtime. So they got a point, small victories, okay, but uh, they lose in an overtime uh, loss, 4-3 to three against Tampa Bay. Um, this was another one where um, it was pretty even uh, shots, uh, 30 to 29 in favor of Tampa. Um, but uh, and, you know, uh, other other stats were were a little bit similar. Some were a little bit better on one one team or the other, but n- nothing to make much of a much of a uh, chance. But to, to, to your to your point, Jim, uh, big hole in this game. They were down two, Sorelli and Kucherov. Getting two first period goals, they go, they come back out for the second period, and man, it just it was beautiful coming right back. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand with uh, Tolvanen and Borgen uh, with uh, with assists on that one, nine fifty two, getting it to two to one, and then not long after that, less than three minutes later, Jamie Alexiak uh, with only his second uh, goal of the year, Ebbs was uh, was on the assist on that one, and it tied up two to two. And then third period, Jared McCann, man, number 13, uh, still loving the way he's playing. Uh, and Dunn and Eb- Eberle uh, on the assists on that one, you know, 14 seconds in. It was beautiful. All right, we're really on a roll, right? No, not so not so fast, you know. Seven minutes later, about uh, Paul from uh, the, the Lightning ties that up and uh, a lot of back and forth and go to overtime and Nikita Kucherov, uh, with the uh, killer there, th- a little over three minutes in, uh, losing that one four to three. Um, and uh, I watched parts of that game, and unfortunately, you know, the all the whole last half of it, particularly, and um, frustrating one, Jim. Yep, uh, that's another forty-minute game. 
that first period was a disaster. I believe we were down 13 to four in shots in the first alone. That's uh, right. And that, and Cooch had that 1916 late killer. Right. Um, and you know what, this is what we've been talking about all year. Um, and it's not exclusive to the D it's, it's exclusive to the, the defensive structure. Um, it was horrible. There was a lot of running around. There was a lot of miscues and I was, uh, I was just surprised because it runs up and down each each pairing of our D's all the way now. It's not just exclusive to the mid or the bottom. It's happening up top with DNL, Dunn and Larson. So it's very it's a very tough situation to be in right now that needs to get corrected. Um that was the game that Shore got that offside goal called back as well. That we got us yeah. all excited. You know, everybody's like, oh good, we're in this. And then, you know, the one of the great besides the Oli blast was um, that Bjorky CNI shot was something too, because there was no screen. There was no nothing. And, you know, he's such an interesting player. He surprises you so much. His, his stature is kind of felt. I mean, we call him the accountant, right? Cause he kind of looks like a bank accountant strolling down the, the tunnel at his climate pledge, but man, he's got such a quick little like secret release. It's weird. He's got a complete game and he's one of the guys that's been playing as obviously, um, and He's then also, just to add, just to add to him too, I'm just so thinking, you know, and granted some guys' personalities will change very much when they're on the ice, but He's arguably, at least in my opinion, and I've heard this from other commentators, one of the most soft-spoken, easygoing guys on yeah. the team. And you're like, okay, it's just whatever, you know, he's not going to be one Absolutely. of Absolutely. But sometimes he puts himself into some tough little scrums and positions. Totally. Stuff. He, he, oh, he's yeah. a different guy on the ice. Yeah, no, his he, game is one of, him and McCann, right? I mean, for the last for basically game one have been doing it. Um, yeah. you know, and then the McCann power play blast was a beauty for one sick, you know, the power play has dropped to just a little above 20%, which is still okay and acceptable. We tend to really harp on it hard, but it's still in the okay range. I think it ranks at 17. Um, and then the thing that was very upsetting to me is the, you know, the power play continued into overtime and we, we should have put it away absolutely should have put it away. I was telling my wife, you know, I said, this is it. It has got to be done here because if you go to three on three hockey, we are all of a sudden at a disadvantage and we know how it works then. And then if we happen to go to a shootout, we know how it works then. So to not able to put that away when it was four on three and the OT was just tough. Also to add on to the Bjorkstrand, it was his 300th NHL point. Um, oh, yes. That game. Just, oh, that's right. Uh, Thanks for bringing that to him. Beautiful. But, uh, I'm watching this overtime over and over. The goal, I, I, going back to Matty Beneers, um, there was a pass there where ba- uh, Hagel, Brandon Hagel, or Bagel as he's known in Tampa Bay, like he's just skating in in their zone. And the forecheck from Matty, he's just watching him. And then when he finally starts picking up the, the brakes, Hagel's already passed him. And Bagel will take it across the ice, defeat it to Cooch, who's going to obviously do what Kucherov does and just buries it. Yeah. It, it's a two-on-one essentially like it, he's just watched in the play and i, I don't want to rag on one guy i'm just saying that alone sums up i think the kraken as a whole it's like 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 jim like you said 40 minute games it, it's yep. it's we have to go all the way we have to want it too and that doesn't those things and there's you can nitpick the entire three the last three games and go through it the last you know eight games and there's just moments hockey is made of moments and it's moments like that like you're seeing four checking on a three, three, three on three with less than two minutes left in OT. And you're just watching the guy skate right by you. And then you decide, let me get on my horse. Like it's things like that, you know? Yep. And it sucks, but 
Yeah, I mean, the 40 minute point, I mean, that's been a theme of our fan cast since I think week two. <laughs> like, it's you know, <laughs> playing great two periods, sometimes the first and the second, and then they the wheels come off in the third, or they get in a hole and they dig themselves back up. And, or, you know, maybe they're, they're down and they never came. But uh, what was the T? It was the Edmonton game, I think, Jim, right? I mean, there was one where, you know, they, they were getting their asses kicked, but then all of a sudden they totally shut down the the team. I mean, the team yeah. they ended up losing to. But, you know, the whole last half of the game, brilliant defensively. Where was that in the beginning of the game? Right. there. I think we held them to like a total of three shots in the last two periods on that one or something like that. And um, but we couldn't do anything offensively five on five, which is the story. No, absolutely. So uh, more of that uh, sort of theme. Then we uh, move on. Uh, one, one other thing we should uh, mention that Tampa uh, game is uh, uh, Grubauer gets hurt. Um, you know, yeah. he is on IR right now. So Chris Drieger back up with the club. Uh, but we get Joey Decord, who's, you know, play, played some good games, uh, had some bad breaks, not in his fault, just, you know, the team not getting enough offense. And him maybe losing a close game. And, you know, this was a relatively close game and we all sort of fell off a little toward the end there. And there was, there was an empty netter goal. They, they lose to the Minnesota wild the following day, three to nothing. Um, you know, again, pretty even shots, 26, 24 in favor of the wild. Uh, the pace offs actually wins Seattle Kraken 65 to 35% in favor of them. And we only bring that up. That's obviously not an end all be all the win games, but that's been the thing the first two years uh, of this team of how, how poor they are on face off. So we're, you know, it actually seems a lot, quite a bit of improvement on that this year, but it's not, you know, helping. It seems enough. Um, other things were pretty, you know, other stats like as in the other games were kind of even more or less, but uh, just could not get any offense going. They're making Philip Gust- Gustafson look like a star, look like an all star. Twenty four saves from him. Um, you know, Joey, uh, he he had I think it was like twenty three out of twenty five or so. Um, you know, made some very nice stops, but, um, you know, if you're not going to score any goals, what, what, you know, what, what, what else are you going to do? So, um, that was another, that was game eight, uh, Jim, you were at this one, right? In live. I was, I, I brought Allison, um, hopefully for good luck. She's pretty much a good luck charm. Yeah. Your didn't... wife has done very well. What's up with oh, that? God, I don't actually, she's, I think she's Owen two this year. So we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> You know what? Our home record's what four, six, and two. So everybody's on that odds. Uh, that game, I'll tell you what. So I'm going to build off of what Nick just talked about the little mistakes and everything. And these are more than little though. These are these are blatant. Um, I'm picking out part of the system big time with ease uh, on a lot of these mistakes uh, on the defensive structure. Um, the first, the Boldy goal, which you know. Oh, you know, the finish was pretty, right? But do you know how much shit went wrong from the neutral zone in? I mean, the back check looked incredibly lazy at that point. And I haven't heard too many people talking about this because you you can kind of throw this out the old back to backs. The players will even say, nah, nah, it's not a reason. But there's some psyche to that, too, though. You know, the the travel and what have you. Or there wasn't no travel, but there's some psyche to all that. Um and I could see it. it. They were coming through the Minnesota was coming through the neutral zone, you know, three, three on three, four on four, whatever. 
And everything looked cool from blue line to blue line. And then all of a sudden it would just change as soon as they hit our blue line. And it was developed into a two on one or whatever. I just saw lazy kind of looking at the film at the backside of it and just seeing guys just kind of like, okay, I'm coasting now. It ain't my problem. And I thought, oh boy, here we are. This is like, this is like peewee shit here. So I was a bit upset with that. Um, I saw two, there was a ton of miscues on the defensive uh, communication, a ton. And by the way, I believe that was the game they teamed up for the first time, Riker with, because, uh, well, wait a minute. No, they brought back. Riker was the, with Dumoulin, right? Yeah, on that one. But the game before, it was it was two o off offensive defensemen together, which is just almost not normal. But anyway, so there was just a ton of miscues up and down each set of D. It was horrible. I mean, that game, I don't think I've seen a worse game out of Dunn and Larson yet. Ole had a really rough night. There, that one outlet pass from Dunn or from Larson to the boards to try to get to Gord, and then it turned around, came in the zone, and then Bjorkstrand mishandling it there off the side of the net. That was one of the ugliest plays I've ever seen out of this club. Go ahead, Nick. That's two, that's two uh, giveaways in the same play that lead to a goal. It's that first one, and then Bjorkstrand's in the corner and completely yeah. just mishandles it. And gets robbed. And then Dunn is, I mean, not Dunn, I'm sorry. Larson's right there. Yep. Just standing there. He's got his yeah. stick in the same position as when Yorkshire loses the puck. He doesn't even try to shift over. I know. You know body, the body language says it all. It's it was crazy. Well, first of all, I thought that was like the laziest bank pass I've ever seen in my life. I would, this oh, happened right in front of me, by the way. So I'm like, yeah. going, what's going on here? Did it get out of the zone? No, it didn't. Oh, shit. Turns right back in. And then, of course, Bjorkstrand is frazzled. And he does right. something he would never do. Because the whole play turns south, right? Right. So that was that game had all kind of, by the way, a lot of that is because the defensive structure all night by Minnesota was outstanding. I could not believe oh, yeah. how well they were playing the neutral zone. And for crying out loud, their their PK work and their zone work was just outstanding to the point where Allison, who's you know, we've been together a long time, and you know, I can call her a hockey girl. At the level, she doesn't pay attention to the deep part of the game as much. She was picking it out and picking it apart. She pulled, She said, hey, explain to me this on the PK. She says, I've been watching Minnesota all night play a perfect box. And they were. And it was rotating. It was shifting. It was everything. And she says, why is it when I watch us play the box, I don't see that perfect alignment. I don't see the shift proper. I don't see this. And I said, well. Well, thankfully, we've been doing pretty good on the PK, actually. But I said, that's the difference right now. That's what's going on, you know. And then she asked about the PP. And she said, you know, I'm watching this. And by the way, you know, the, a Haxtell power play system on paper is originally is a one three one. It has morphed recently. It has morphed to all combinations. It's morphed to a 2-2-1, two, two, a 1, or a 2 or a a one, two, two, it's done all kinds of weird stuff. And what I'm seeing lately is Eberly down low off the left side of the paint and somebody closer to the top of the paint. And you know what I've been bitching about all year, or actually since day one of this franchise is, you know, we don't have a bona fide power forward with size with hands in front of the net on the paint. Right. And that's what we need. We have a bunch of five, nine, 5'10", small guys, they might be yeah. strong, they might be tough, but that's that's not going to work on that paint in a power play. And if you're going to do that, you need a two-man down low. That's just me because, yeah. you know, Allison's sitting there saying, 
well, I don't get it. So they're, they're up at the top, they're throwing it around and you know, everybody else shoot. We all know everybody else shoot to the point where people don't like yelling it anymore. Well, and I said, look, these guys, believe it or not, they're looking for seams, but they're also looking for screens at the same time. So it's a very fraction piece. And I said, otherwise it gets blocked and so on and so forth. So I said, as part of it's the problem that we don't have enough big bodies pushing bodies around down low on the paint. Anyway, she's noticing this stuff. That just tells you where we're at, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, back at the game, you're right. On the face-off thing, so what? Yeah, that we set a team night record 65%, but it, that doesn't even matter in a 3 nothing loss, does it? Um, the PK is, like I said, the PK has actually been good uh, since the homestand, apparently. That's right, the data says. Yeah, we're at uh, 76% right now for the PK. Yeah, overall, but I believe it's perf perfect at the homestand so far, and that was something that was one of our weaker problems. It's going to take a long time to climb out of that hole to get those numbers up, but and there was a flop from last season there with the PK and the power play. <laughs> yes, and then there was a ton of uh, exchange on block shots, so it was a heavy shot game, but nothing was getting through. Very frustrating. Um, another sad walk back to the car. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, no doubt. Uh, you know, just sad me, just you know, sinking into my big chair there. Uh, you know, in front of the TV watching that mess. So uh, there you go. Um, the, uh, you know, right now they keep sinking further and further down in the uh, in the uh, playoffs and the conference and the division. Uh, now with uh, twenty three points as of our recording, uh, you know, things could turn around. You know, you can you know talk to Edmonton Oilers fans. Those guys have uh, won seven in a row, uh, and all of a sudden uh, they're in the back in the thick of things. And uh, even the Minnesota Wild, uh, not you know, in the thick of things. But the Kraken, eight losing games here. Um, what's what's really ultimately wrong with these guys? And and what uh, what 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 can happen if they keep losing more? Well, okay, I'll try to keep this reasonably short, although <laughs> I, I have noticed, by the way, that we all know it's the talk now, right? Chris, yeah. you and I Chris, you and I brought this up uh, a couple episodes ago when I threw the question at you. What are, what's going to happen if they go on that roadie and go on 0-4? And, and, you know, you, you kind of stalled out with your answer because you didn't have an answer. You weren't prepared for it, and I get it because I just threw that out there, and sure enough, we went 0-4. Secondly, um, to me, at that point, that was panic button right there. Okay. I knew we were coming home for six, but I know what past history says at home. All right. And even at that point, I thought, what, what, what are you going to do here at home? So I even put out a, a poll on X and the majority of the poll went two and four. Including well, me, by the way. Yeah. See, so I'm including yeah, me. I, I, yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't add more polls. Otherwise I would have put O and six or six and O, but I, you can't add that many. Um, here we are three and three. Yes. Tight games on paper, except for the last one and get shut out. Um, everybody's talking this other, my other favorite podcasts are talking this. I just listened to them. It's very much the same tone of conversation we're having right now. And it leads to what do we do? Well. We all know, you know, the easy options, the easy outs or whatever, but everything is built around fan base, uh, professionalism, and what have you, how to handle things correctly, right? You can't go on and continue to lose without making a statement for one, correct? Right. At some point, a, a statement has to be made that something's happening, whatever whatever it is. 
you know, the Brave, extreme. Maybe it's not necessarily the coach getting fired. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so when people, you know, people kind of know where I stand and, and I'm not about just dropping the ax type of thing, but I am about, and I have been about since day one system system. I've never been a fan of the system. The system can get morphed, can get changed. The system is a direct re reflection of the coach. So that at that point, you have to decide how you're going to go about this, right? And are you throwing the season away and trying to, or are you trying to recover? What, what's going on? So there's a lot of questions to be asked here internally. Um, you know, do you go down to Coachella and just start sending boys up and taking a look at them? Do you, you know, do you do this? The the deals being made, are you looking for a deal to change your team and get in the playoffs? Or are you just looking to do a deal for the future? Um, all these things, these have to be asked and the questions need to be answered at some point. And here's another horrible thing about all this shit is timing. Um, this we've gone with this, this is December and you know, we've got Christmas coming up. We've got a, a winter classic that all hockey fans love. All hockey fans in this area are going nuts over fans that aren't fans are starting to pay attention and realize how big this is and the timing, you know, nobody, nobody wants something ugly to happen during this time. But I did state that, you know what, whatever has to happen, I, I'm ready for it. I'm totally ready for it. It doesn't matter to me right now because the back of my head kind of has this thing going on saying, you know, right now the winter classic isn't very important to me. What's important is turning this freaking team around because I don't want to go into uh, T-Mobile. God, I always struggle trying to grasp that freaking name. <laughs> fucking T-Mobile. Yeah. God, bring it back. Will you please say go? Jesus. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. I, I just, well, what happens if you're just really sucking bad and you're dropping games left and right, like we are. And, all of us people that spent $350 plus for tickets and $400 in things to pull over our shoulders and hats and bring our friends and family and like pre-party and tailgate and all this shit. And the attitude is just kind of, Oh God. And we're playing Las Vegas. We hate our Vegas. We hate Oops. Vegas. And, and you know, they're so strong right now and just, it would be the ultimate shit to just go down like that, you know? So I'm just like, at this point, to me, where we're at is way more important than all this buildup and hoopla and taking positives out of games and everything. The only positive that we can take out of anything right now is the fact that the Pacific sucks because we're still only five points back. Yeah. If you can believe that shit. I know. No, I, isn't it, Nick? Is that crazy from some crazy. outsider that's at the West over there? Yeah. Well, that Preds are, are West, but. Yeah, yeah, I know. Them, yeah, but that's no, but, but no, they're 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 yeah, twenty three. I mean, it's uh, you know, three three and a half. I mean, you can go on a roll and get right back in it soon. No, I know, but I just so that's where I'm at, and I could obviously go a lot deeper. I'm trying to keep it reasonable here and clean. Um, people know me. Um, I I just struggle with the system, and I always have, and that's something cool. has to change. I want. I, I do want, want to throw out an interesting point. Oh, ahead, Chris. Man. Uh, just want to throw this out. I, now I don't know how this works. I'm just in a perfect world. The Winter Classic could possibly also be the opposite of what Jim said. It could be a reset for the, this team needs. It could be that spark. It could be that you know the fanfare that all the fans love and we love. The players love it too. Players love the family skate. Players love being out there. It, we we could use that as a boost to take us forward in the season. However, it's this little. You know, what do we have? A couple weeks before the winter classic? 
that we need to at least give fans something to be excited about to watch. Like you said, people yeah. are spending money, time, effort to see this team. We love this team. We'll always do that. But this is it, it, the Winter Classic is a pretty big thing, and I, I beg to to say that maybe it does. It could give us that boost. Like I said, it would be really nice. The only question mark is the next couple of weeks and how yeah. do we get to that? that right. That's exactly be yeah. because, because you know the thing I mean? is, like, guys, like there's. Uh, that's an interesting point, Nick, and it could be, you know, but um, this this four this, as I'm recording four games: Florida, Chicago, L.A. at home, and then uh, uh, you know, then they you know go go on the road a bit before they come back. Uh, you have four games, and then they play the Flyers a little bit before the Winter Classic, and then and of course the Vegas game we're talking about. If they lost most, if not all of them, I'm also thinking. Yeah, they got to care about obviously our fan base, the Seattle fan base. But you go to that's national team, like all hockey eyes are on you. That's going to be pretty embarrassing. You go into a winter classic and you've lost, you know, 11 out of 12 or something. At least that's how I feel. Like, well, what's on this team? And all the, all the, all the, the commentators on the thing, well, we've, Vegas, they're, you know, they're looking like the Stanley Cup winners, and oh, they're playing this team that just look, and it's embarrassing. It's not going to be a good look. And there's, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a number of games. You know, if they won a handful of them, maybe not all, but you know, if they could get three or four wins out of this little, uh, this little stint, okay, fine. Maybe it won't look that bad, and oh, maybe they're on their way back up, and. And and to your point, Nick, then you get a little boost of all this energy right. in your fans and you're playing in a bigger crowd than ever and all that. I could see that. But if they lose most of these games, jeez, I don't know. I, it's going to be looking ugly to me. It's tough, Yeah, it's definitely going to be. No matter what, it's going to be ugly because, I, I mean, I would love to be wrong on this, but I don't think there's a scenario where we win most of the games toward, before the winter class. There's, I don't think that's a... It's possible. It'd be great. No. It'd be incredible, but I don't. It's not happening, and and, no. and it's just kind of like no, no, accepting that right, right now. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. And, yeah. I wish somebody know, would challenge me on that, but you know. You know, Nick, you you brought up a good point about a, a flip the switch the other way. I, I didn't think of that to be honest with you, probably because I walk out of climate pledge with my head down a, a lot. <laughs> but um, <Yeah. laughs> no, that's a, that's a coming decent, out of your ears. Yeah, yeah, that's a decent perspective, and it's true because I've seen it in other scenarios in sports and what have you. Um, but it, it's funny because when you said that, I instantly thought Nick. Nick is talking to us about this perspective from the outside. He's you've seen uh, Nashville. Well, you lived in it. You know, you weren't in living there, but you you're a fan of that club, and they, and they did that. They boosted their fan base. But um, right. as soon as you started talking nick uh glass half full i started thinking of nick olchek glass half full who i comment all the time. <laughs> i love nick olchek he's the best i love nick yeah. olchek. and i always say that about him too because he's a glass glass half full guy and i can only respect that because you know everybody always wants to take the positives away when you're losing bad right but you can only milk that so long but for some reason nick olchek has a little different angle about it where he can grab things like, all right, Nick can get away with it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of positive to hear it out of another Nick too. And I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah. I think it's a Nick thing. I mean, also it's Nick. <laughs> bring up something interesting, but for the Bruins Winter Classic, as Jim, you and I would know, uh, we won that Winter Classic, but it was kind of a rocky December last year. I'm looking here. Um, we 
Obviously, uh, Panthers 7-3, Bruins take that one. Devils 4-3, uh, two days before Christmas, narrowly escaped with that one. Uh, we played the Devils again, 3-1. Then uh, barely escaped with the Jets, 3-2. Uh, we lose to the Senators on the 27th of December. And then Bruins play the Sabres and lose an OT on the 31st, two days before the Winter Classic. Right. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a perfect, and I, I know we're talking about the big bad Bruins. It, 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 it's not, it's just the idea of I that know. wasn't the best kind of month for the Bruins. And yet that Winter Classic was something else, you know? No, and, I and, know. It's tough. I understand. Because again, I'm not the one walking out of climate pledge with my head hanging down. But, I, I'm shutting but, off the TV here and being like, all right, let me just disconnect for a second. But and you're was, talking about the last winter classic with the Bruins in Pittsburgh, correct? Right, right, that, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, but yeah. then again, they had also just replaced Montgomery and he ain't going nowhere. <laughs> right. It, that's true. That's true. There was a so, fresh change there. But yeah. it was the adjustment period. And also it's just that the December month was like leading up to it wasn't I perfect know. either. So yeah. Vegas might be killing it right now, but... um. Well, on any given day, teams- these these teams can beat each other. I mean, right. we, you know, right. the, the Kraken right, right, right. beat the the Sharks seven to one, and they're looking. You know, the crack the uh, Sharks are looking worse than some AHL teams, and then they ended up uh, beating the Canucks a couple of days later. So, on any given day, you know, it, it, it can happen in the NHL, which is which is great. It makes it maybe extra exciting. So, Nick, I want to ask you though, because um, we talked, we dabbled a little bit in your background. You've you moved around a lot, of, uh, but would you say uh, are you like Jim and me, your Bruins and Kraken fan? And and if so, I, I was curious what your your uh, journey was to become a Kraken fan with because you haven't never lived oh, in yeah. Northwest, right? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, no, I've never lived on the West Coast, so um, I'll try to keep it short. But so uh, Bruins was I. Probably would be my first team because uh, they won the cup my 13th birthday. Uh, you know, I was there for that. Not like in Boston, I was in the surrounding areas, but, you know, I was there. It was pretty cool. And, and I was like, hey, this is hockey's cool, you know. Um, and then, uh, you know, I moved around a lot. Like I said, I was in New Hampshire, Vermont, um, was in Europe for high school. Some people might know this on X or wherever they're listening from. Some don't. I lived in high school and in, in, uh, in Europe for high school. I was in Portugal. I was in Germany. I was in Belgium. No, I'm not military. Um, but uh, moving around a lot. And then I came back and I came back to Florida to uh, biological father's family is, is, was there. So went back to Florida and I kind of just picked the bolts. I went on a trip to Tampa Bay, really liked what they had. It was during the 2018 playoffs. I think it was. And I was like, you know what? Bolts and Bruins. I was just getting into hockey. Wasn't about the rivalries yet. Um, and then with the Kraken coming out, I'll never forget, uh, Yanni Gord is my reason, I'm going to say. When Seattle picked Yanni, I was really hurt, really upset. Um, my first expansion draft, I think a lot of people's first expansion drafts, not just Kraken fans. And it was, it was a tough pill to swallow, but I was like, you know what? I mean, he's in Seattle. It's not like he's playing for a team that I, you know, I hate like the Habs or the Leaves or the, the, the Panthers, you know, (laughs) People are gonna get mad at me right now, but um, so it, it was like I was like, all right, I mean, at least he's somewhere new, uh, you know. We'll see how it goes. And then I remember reading a piece on the Athletic about Gord's, uh, um, is his him being picked and him playing Macklemore at his cup party that summer. He played glorious, um, by Macklemore. It's like they kind of they celebrated with the cup for Tampa the minute that they had to take the cup away at midnight or whatever it is. Uh, someone put on Glorious to Macklemore and he kind of just 
change that mindset to Seattle. And I was like, and I already loving Gordo. I was like, okay, this is cool. And just honestly, the fan, it was Gordo. And then it was all you guys, every single Kraken fan on social media, just whether you guys were longtime hockey fans, new fans, it's just that, that beautiful embracing spirit. And that's why I'll be a Kraken fan for life. It's it's just, it's you guys. I've never been to Seattle. I've never, I've been to the West Coast when I was like three years. I don't remember it, but I've never been to Seattle. Never been to Washington State. My brother went to Oregon, uh, University of Oregon, but I didn't even get a chance to visit him while I was there. So it's one of those things where it's genuinely for the passion that you guys have, that you guys bring um, all the way felt on opposite ends of the country. So genuinely, that's why I'm a Kraken fan. There you go. So, Beautiful wow. read. I'm all for it. Wow. That's a great story. And and, and I appreciate that too. I think, you know, a number of, you know, fans, you know, people who are fans of teams from somewhere else, not, you know, not where in their backyard, maybe because there isn't a team in the backyard or, you know, they, they haven't brought up, you know, you know, they, they didn't pull the heartstrings, but you love that player. Okay, where is that player? And you, you're a fa- fan of wh- wherever they kind of land. I mean, you know, Jim, you have not to go into the head, but that's your story, Bobby Orr. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm old. Fan. I mean, I'm old. I always tell people because they always go like, "Well, how come you like the Bruins or how come you like this or whatever?" And they start realizing like, "Hey, Jim doesn't really have a home team that he's a fan of," and I say. That's because I'm old enough to where I had to pick professional teams that weren't from this area because we didn't have any professional teams. And I stick with that true and true to the end. The Bruins are my team. Bobby Orr, I grew up in that exact time frame. Anyway, uh, Nick, what a great story. I love it. It's so simple. Um, it's it, it's beautiful. Uh, but I must say this. You ready? We, we are 100% on the same page, friends, right? I think yes. Chris knows what's coming because he's smiling. But when you drop the Macklemore bomb, I better leave right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got it's okay. I, I, I know we talked about this in person too. I mean, I actually this was the exact fit that I was wearing when I met him. He came to play Nashville. Like I think it was our second so week that we were here. First thing we do is go to Macklemore show at the Ryman, and I'm and I wore this. And after oh my the show, God. Now, he he loved it. I, I had the of course recording no bad days at at the climate pledge, and I was like. How'd I do? I had the tan pants on too. Like oh I my went God. And he loved it. He's like, oh, it's awesome. First he said, I love your jersey. And then I showed him first, like, oh, wow. Like, love what you like went for. It, it was awesome. Oh, Not God. Them, but I, I have to, you know, I understand as a musician. And, and Jim, you know where I also stand with, with music. Oh, of course I do. So you you can kind of thankfully respect and take a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. My God. <laughs> It's all say, I, I have a history with Macklemore myself, but that's more of an abyss. We all do, that's apparently. Like, <laughs> somewhere along the line, we all do, exactly. We, yeah. Somehow we need to segue into Nick and I, though, how we all hooked up. Yeah, well, yes. let, when we talk, we, we do need to get to our uh, messages from the deep. But yeah, t- talk about that briefly. Oh. oh, okay. So the way Nick and I met online is I started noticing he was with the whole Seattle Crackling uh, social media, you know, followings and everything. And I always... I think I clicked, noticed you on that too. Yeah, yeah and I was, I'm always peculiar about, like, trying to figure out, like, well, he's not from around here. What's that? I need to dabble into that. Anyway, a long story short, uh, kind of. <laughs> so Nick, <laughs> Nick, right out of the box, fell in love with Ty Cartier in the playoff run. And oh, yeah. just, we just loved it. Oh, yeah. Nick put an announcement on Twitter back then, I guess it was. Yeah. Uh, about, hey, if anybody's going to 
uh, climate pledge tonight. I hear they're got some of those pucks, you know, the, the your first commemorative goal puck that is a hobby puck. Can you please give me one? And I'm like, I messaged back right away, like, no problem, Nick. I got you handled. So I went there and I picked them up. And thankfully, there was enough because a lot of times those things sell out in the last couple of years. Got you one. But I also, from the past, had three, three or four upper deck uh, CHL rookie cards when he played for the Sioux. And so I stuck a couple of those or whatever one, I don't remember what I did, stuck one of those in with the puck and sent it to him. Just surprised kind of like, and he got it and he was just ticked. There it is. Look at, look at that. There's the puck. And he was very nice. Yeah. And there's, there's the, the card. card. Yeah. So he was just tickled to death and that made him feel good and made me feel good and everything. Now, fast forward, we've been friends ever since communicating. And this is funny. This involves Mike Sasquatch NHL too. Yes. So, Shout out to Sasquatch. so Mike texts me one night and he says, Hey Jim, uh, you know, the contract runs out with, uh, Adidas next year and fanatics is taking over and the quality, you know, about the quality issues of the jerseys, this and that. And he was going, do you think that the pro line, the upper Jersey is going to the fit and the, everything's going to be the same and blah, blah, blah. And you know, me, I don't just give a basic answer. I give the gym answer, which is just loaded with all the detail I know and just lay it out there like some massive paragraph right back on a text to him. And he gets it. And I think I'm just doing my thing. I'm answering his question. Turns out he's working with Nick over there in Nashville because Nick's got a connection and I didn't know anything. So I go to Nashville anyway, because I'm going to see my one of my favorite bands, All Them Witches at the Ryman. I'm taking my daughter, everything. And Nick knows I'm coming. He says, hey, man, we got to hook up. we got to do something, bite to eat or whatever. Just come on by. Let's hook up. And I'm like, for sure, for sure. But as you know, on these little short vacations, you're so just running around trying to fit that all in. We did. And I went down <clears throat> uh, to meet him at the whichever hotel lobby that was, that massive lobby, right by Bridgestone. Yeah. Hi. Ed. Beautiful, and he yeah. met me and he comes in, he's got, he's holding his hands behind his back and I'm going, what the hell's going on here? And all of a sudden I see some, as he starts to come around, like I see yellow and I go, well, that can only be one thing that just bright, obnoxious yellow of the Nashville predators. Right. Gold, and, yeah. he, and he holds up this Jersey and it's freaking predators. jersey. I'm like, Whoa, what the, this is great. What's this all about? And you know, it's not like I have any Nashville, anything around. I thought, well, oh, this is kind of cool. Maybe I'll wear it playing street hockey or something, you know? And it's, it's a blank. And I'm going, this is great. And he goes, yeah, man, here, see it. I hope it works. I hope it fits. I don't know what size you are, but, uh, and then he goes, actually, I was working with Mike on that little game. We were playing about the Jersey questions and we figured out what you saw. You said you needed a size or that I wear a size 50. So he got me a 50. He nailed it. Yeah. So he hands me that. I'm going to try to speed this story up. Jeez. All right. So here's the deal. We go back to the hotel or back to the B&B and stuff. And I'm sitting there going, you know, this is a blank jersey. What am I ever going to do with this? You know? And I go, my my wheel started turning. I'm going, you know, all them witches is from Nashville. They're playing rhyme. And this is like a homecoming for them. If I can just put, I had a couple options of putting a name on the back, I thought. And then I thought it's a couple numbers that they use. And one song is called 41. And so I thought, that's it. So I called Nick back and I said, Nick. I text him. I says, Hey man, what's the turnaround on customization on a Jersey? And he said, like 15 minutes. I said, what back at climate pledges, like three weeks. He goes, yeah, yeah. I know. Now I, I don't know how much I can say. Anyway, Nick hooked me oh, that's up. Fine. You're fine. Okay. So Nick, Nick was, he goes, I can actually do that for you. So yeah. <laughs> I, I go down there, go no shit. And this was the day of the show. I go down there and I bring the Jersey to him and I say, here's what you got. I filled out the form. 
He, he says, get back to me a couple hours. I did. He gave it to me. It was beautiful. I took it to the show. The band signed this fucking thing. It's incredible. I've got it hanging behind me. It's the one jersey that pops out to me. I have a ton of cool shit when it comes to jerseys signed by many players, many whatever, going way back. In fact, there's the ore back there. But I, that thing, I just can't leave my site right now because it's so cool. And it was just a great experience from three days with my daughter. Um, I know the band personally. I know the front of house engineer guy. So it just, it carries a lot of steam with me. And Nick, it's something I'll always remember. And I appreciate it. Oh, I'm, I'm very happy, man. I, it was, it was an honor to do that. It was awesome. And shout out to Sasquatch again, because I remember as soon as you told me you were coming and I had my kind of connection there, I immediately was like, Hey, Sasquatch, this is super random, but I know Jim's coming. He did me a really big solid with Kurt. He didn't have to do that. I need to know his jersey size. I don't know how to ask him. Okay. <laughs> and he kind of like created that whole conversation just oh, to get your size. I, I'm that telling you. The whole thing was just to get to find out you're 50. The, you know? the conversation piece, now that you know the story, the conversation text thread is amazing to look back at. It's so great. I haven't seen him. I'll have to ask uh, Mike to send him over. If oh, well, I'll just send it to you or something, man. It's just, it's too funny awesome. because I gave this longest ass answer of just like detail of shit. You know? <laughs> and he, and he messaged me story. on Twitter like, it's a 50. Yeah. I'm like, done. And I'm like, yeah. any player? He's like, no, blanket. I'm like, because I wanted to put a player or something. I thought maybe yeah, it was no, no, you know, everything worked out perfectly. Perfectly. It all worked awesome. out perfectly. And you, this is a great story. It's, it's fine this long because I, but I just love that. What a, what a great close community we've got, you know, and you guys working out and we, you know, Jim, I think you'd, you'd agree. I mean, we've met a lot of really cool people. Uh, oh. whether it's other podcasters, people just yes. hang the rink. There are other fans, people who listen to our fan cast. People have nothing to do with it, but they just love the team, whatever. We've met a lot of people. Also, yes. our feet made people are, you know, surrounding us in section 10 and there, section 16 and, uh, you know, wherever, you know, we're at, we're at. It's it's really beautiful, and that's the whole thing is bringing bringing community together, and uh, and you know, and I know we kind of bitch and moan about the team on a losing streak, but God, what a what a you know a fantastic year we saw of them last year it was just thrilling. That after being uh, under our expectations in year one, they kind of surpassed our expectations in year two. This year is just weird. I don't know where it's going to go, but yeah, yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really special. So I I appreciate you guys. Uh, uh, sharing that and it was a great story which is why i didn't yeah. get the dinger on it so yeah thank you <laughs> yeah no i mean that's and, what I, and, and for those of us who listen like we're not on doing these on youtube yet <laughs> and everything but I, we're all we we record these on zoom so i see that that bright yellow all them which is 41 uh jersey there <laughs> behind uh jim jim's oh, oh, jim's on zoom with us and he always has a good collection behind him bobby or we've got a coachella valley firebirds that's jim, a freshie by the way jim jim and i are going to be uh catching some firebirds games uh in, oh nice in the year we are we're heading down to coachella it's a two-game stint in january 31 and feb one so uh any listeners nice. will remind you but we're going to be there they're going to be taking on the calgary wranglers wranglers uh for a two-night stint um, but anyway, always, always a lot of great memorabilia. Hey, speaking of the Firebirds, before we go, we, we're, we're getting back in our messages from the deep. Thanks for all the emails and Twitter messages and everything. We picked, uh, one question here, which, uh, and, and I think that Nathan's not here. He's one of it, but, but what's the deal? Jim? We're giving, we're giving a Kraken fan cast t-shirt to who we picked, right? Right. So we were sitting here, we got, we have some stock of just the, our basic, um, 
Kraken Fancast t-shirt, which has the yeah. microphone and the thing yeah. in the front. Yeah. And um, so we were saying that we need to give away some of these. Uh, so we started up the messages from the deep again. And we looked at the emails and everything. And we said, we'll pick one out. Uh, we got, got a right. few through social media. And we're going to pick one out in a second. But before yeah. we get that, I'm just saying that. But I just wanted to jump back on something about Firebirds thing. It just reminded me I wanted to ask one or actually both of you guys. We just touched upon it. Riker Evans. Oh, yes. Yeah. Come Ooh. up. And we got to watch. He's had a, you know, a couple of games under his belt. And I'm just going to give a little bit of a. This is something I talked about, you know, when he was when he was. Uh, when he was drafted and there was a little bit of, you know, uh, I don't know, controversy maybe is is uh, over dramatic, but there were some people, some pundits, whatever, thought it was a, a bad pick or something, uh, you know, at, that pick number two, or there, there was some uh, criticisms of the kid. And I, I just looked into him and I'm like, you know, partly because I thought it was a little unfair and I thought he he did have some good stats. And second of all, I just love to be a contrarian sometimes like, oh, that's your, you hate that player? Well, good. He's now my favorite player. You know, I'll pull stats back. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, really, you know, like, oh, you, you hate that team because they're so good. Okay, I am now buying a jersey. You know, I'll, I'll do <laughs> that sometimes. So I felt that way about Riker. And I'm like, dang it, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna cheer on that kid and hope for the best from. I bet you, I bet you anything he's going to do all right. I bet you he's going to be on the Kraken sooner or later. Well, bingo, here he is. And uh, I know what I'm thinking of. Is, I mean, obviously, it's just a couple games that he's young and he has limited minutes. But I was curious in you guys how, how you felt he He's starting as a as a crack because all we've seen him prior was during training camp and we've seen he's done very well for the firebirds but what'd you think of these last two games for the kid uh first of all uh he's got what three under his belt um yep, three excuse me yep yeah, so three. i was at you and i were at the first game his first game i was keen in on him me too um pleasant very pleasant. First of all, let's go back a little bit. Uh, rookie camp, his first year. He's been to three camps, basically. Right. Um, and one of the the pundits thing about, oh, well, that's kind of, it was an off-the-board pick because he was an overager. And so his stock dropped. But this, obviously the Kraken um, analytic team and everybody still liked him. The scouts did, for sure. And then got him at that second pick. And that's, you know, nobody was prepared for that. But most people aren't prepared for most picks after the first round anyway. You know, whatever. Um that first camp, a lot of people were talking about him. They were pleased with what they saw. I wasn't seeing it as much. Maybe I was just looking at different parts. I was looking at other players, actually. Um, the second camp was much better, in my opinion. Uh, last year's camp was, you know, it, it, he wasn't standing out, but he was good. Um, he He's deserved the call. They say it was a fire starter to get some of that defensive thing, figuring it out. You're like, hey, this guy's kid's coming up. He's going to get a look-see get your shit together over there. Right. That's what it kind of was. That was the rumor. Um, he played well. He's averaging almost 17 minutes a game. I believe right around that number. Yeah. Um, his, you know, he's obviously an offensive defenseman first and that's what he is. First and foremost, a PP two guy future for now. Um, he looked good. You know, you got to remember he's on the third pairing. So whoever he's teamed up with, it's, it's, you know, your skill level drops or what have you, if you want to look at it that way. He looked good. He looked poised. I was keen in on more than anything about pressure on the forecheck and how much he handles it. Cause they say coming into the league, being a defenseman is the hardest position to step into and advance and move and mature because of the pressure game. He did fine. He did excellent. He, he had quick, pretty quick outlets. He sees the ice. Well, his transition is good. 
He only made a couple of blunders and really weren't, frankly, weren't talking about. He had some good half wall, half wall work where he won some battles, turned around with some odd opposite uh, movements, which is a sign of a skill of a good player when he did that behind the net move after we took over and came back the other way. That move right there is not your basic move. So just so you know, on edges, that's what kind of player he is. So far, so good. No complaints. Everybody's talking positives about him. I saw a nice piece from uh, Nick Olchek today uh, on Inside the Kraken about him. Or no, pardon me. It was a tweet situation. Uh, and I believe every bit of what Nick's had to say. So very good. Only positives. It all depends on what we're going to do with our number seven or eight scratch and where he's going to be paired up uh, with number the, the third pairing. There's not much for me to add that Jim didn't already say. I mean, I did see him with the Firebirds last season very much. I've followed him very closely, especially uh, once the Kraken were eliminated. Um, watched the I was already watching the, the Firebirds, but really watched their playoff push. And he's a force to be reckoned with. And I think he's got a lot of potential. Again, cool, calm, and collected in the big leagues. That's, like Jim said, uncommon for, defense, for a defenseman. And it was really refreshing to see, too. Given all the uh, uh, not great stuff going on, I think Evans was a nice little positive in in the last couple of games for sure. He's just been he's been that steady. He's been consistent, and for somebody like who's only got three games under their belt, and it's these kinds of games where the team is struggling. It's a lot fresher, you yeah. know, getting called up at any point in the season. But we're in a you know bringing up water class again and all this going on end of the year, um, the calendar year that is not the season, but. It's it's that pivotal moment and and he's handled it perfectly and uh, shout out to little Riker Evans. There's a lot of another fi- uh, Firebirds fans that love him. He's a fan favorite for right. a reason. Um, yep. There's there's a, a fan uh, little Riker Evans. He's he, like his biggest fan and he's he's playing hockey right now. Uh, he's a great kid, awesome and 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 again that reflects you know players like that that uh, you know interesting pick the way it turned out. But I mean. It turned out for the better, and I'm happy. You know, we're all happy about that. Can't wait to see more from him. Um, Jim, you might need to get me a, a goal puck soon when he scores. But uh. <laughs> oh, trust me. So I need to add something real quick on the Riker situation. Last night at the game, we were at the Armory, Chris, uh, Allison, and I, and I saw this group of people talking over by the cantina, and I noticed that this woman, you know, middle aged, had a uh, Regina Pats. Riker Evans 41 jersey and I thought I kind of looked over and I thought you know I wonder if that's mom and that's dad and that's sister over there because it just seemed like it right and there was two other people talking to him and they were talking for the longest time because I wanted to intervene and I said no I'm not going to cut in until it's over well I saw them later in the lair as I was milling about and sure enough she was right there with that jersey and I said hey ma'am I gotta ask you I said are you are you Riker's mom (laughs) she said no but we were his billet up in Regina. So that was oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, we had a really nice, lengthy conversation. They were in town for two games, the two games um, in a row. And they'd never been here before. And we're just full of all kinds of good stuff. And I'd asked him how long they'd been boosters and fans of Regina and everything. And if they remember the Everly days. And that's about when he got into that the team during the Everly days. So um, that was kind of a really cool off the cuff moment last night, just to see that Jersey in there. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, that's some good stuff. Yeah. And I will get, I, I am going to hunt down a young guns cause I've got some cool things of Rikers ever when he releases, when they release that and I'll try to, oh, hunt, sure. 
I'll write you. I'll get you down the puck in the whole nine. You know, I got you covered, buddy. <laughs> There you go. Well, when it hope, happens, hope, you know, I'm manifesting it. Throw it out there, you know. Yeah. yeah, we're hoping we're going <laughs> to see an opening goal. I mean, uh, we're, we're going to be at the – I'm going to be at the Florida game, and uh, uh, Jim and I are going to be together to watch uh, Connor Bedard's uh, Seattle debut uh, coming up soon. Nice. That, that's going to be awesome. I'm going to call it right now. If you heard it first in the pod. Yeah. Brett Evans is going to score from a slap shot from the point. Uh, uh, in that game, Chicago? No. Uh, ooh, okay. You know what? What game? Florida? I'm going to say Florida. You know what? I'm going to throw it Ooh. out there. Okay. Because you hate Florida. The first game that. was against the Panthers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. Okay. Panthers in the point. Evans gets his first goal. Time out. Are you going to step it up? Double double your money for first goal of the game with Mike Sasquatch NHL or what? Yeah, I will. <laughs> okay, there yeah, it is. There yeah, it is. my team will be there. Yeah, there it is. Out there. Yeah. Oh, Beautiful. 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 I love it. All right. We've been remiss. Okay. Now we're going to jump into this. So messages from the deep. We're getting some emails from you guys. That's great. Uh, we really appreciate that. And also uh, Twitter messages, Facebook messages, Instagram, wherever, wherever you want to send us a question. And if we pick your question uh, while supplies last, of course, uh, we'll uh, aim to reach out to you and send you a Kraken uh, fan cast t-shirt. So um, we have uh, a great mess, a great question, and it's sort of touching on something we talk about the last two, three episodes. And but we're really going to uh, look at it now. Uh, her name, she goes by my name is Jasmine, um, and Jasmine, I guess, uh, asks, who would you see taking the reins of head coach if the hack experiment ends? Gentlemen, what do you think? Okay. Boy, guys, I actually did a study session on this. I hope you can handle the lengthy. Uh, just you can cut me off. You tell me if you want it short, medium, or long, huh? All right, I'll try to go quick here. Um, great question because it's you know it's a subliminal question in everybody's head. I don't care where you stand. You know if you're aggressive about this, if you're mid, or if you're just like bottom. Everybody's toying with that kind of. All right, I'm toying with it. Um, First and foremost, I think of in-house coaching, right? Let's start there. Because to be honest with you, outside, there's not a whole lot available that you know of wide open. And then there's, it's really hard to get information on who's available to be first, you know, right up front with AHL contracts and this and that and whatever you're going to, you know, major junior, what have you. And it's not going to happen right now on those guys. Anyway, that's a year end deal. But right now, if you were to do something, if you had to, if you felt like it, I'm looking inside. Okay. You know, the automatic, what people think a lot of times is Bilesma, Dan Bilesma down in Coachella. We know his history. You know, as an NHL player, he played 429 games. Uh, he played with the Ducks and the Kings. He went to Bowling Green. Um, he he started out as coaching as an assistant in 2004 in the AHL, 2006 up to an NHL four, six, uh, for his assistance for four years uh, in, in, and in Scranton. Uh, 2008, uh, took the team over from Michelle Therrien, uh, got canned and he took the team the rest of the way, 18, three and four. And he won a Stanley cup. Wait a minute. Right which team Pittsburgh you're talking about? Yes. Pittsburgh. Okay, Pittsburgh. You, you missed that. We went from Scranton. Uh, was like, right. Okay, okay. Well, then I says, and yeah, <laughs> so yeah, from Scranton. <laughs> well, I just made sure. So I knew what you meant, but it's, you know, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll listen to so, so, you know, there's his resume for the most part. And then of course, then after that. He got let go and he went to the Sabres for a couple of years and, and didn't, they were out of the playoffs and then to Detroit as an assistant. And then Charlotte checkers who became half of what Coachella became. And so there you have it. And, you know, he took the Coachella firebirds to the, 
Cup final last year and lost in a game seven. And this year, is, uh, it's okay, but it's not what it was uh, down there. That's because there's so much movement. now. And, and a number of the guys have been moved up to the, the head coach. Exactly. We're all in yeah. transition here. It's even affecting the East Coast League, Hockey League, with some small contracts and tryouts for goaltenders. So that's where we're at with the injury report. Eh? All right. Dave Lowry, 58 years old, OHL as a player, 83 draft. Uh, Vancouver, he played Vancouver, St. Louis, Florida, San Jose, Flames, 1,084 games, 351 points. Great, tough, physical dude. Uh, 1,191 pims. And that's, that was his physical game, man. Um, he was a great WHL coach in the uh, Western Hockey League, uh, Calgary hitman assistant, and then head in the finals. Uh, 2009 to 12, he was a Flames assistant in the NHL. Uh, 2013 to 17 WHL again, uh, headed back there, uh, made the playoffs every year, 2017 uh, to 2019. Victoria, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, 2017 to 19 NHL assistant again, and then back to the WHL, uh, Brandon Wheat Kings as a head coach. Um, then the Winnipeg's assistant coach for two years. And then the intern, uh, after the, the firing of Maurice, Etter. and then, 2022, uh, 22, he was hired in the summer, August 8th, I believe, for the Kraken. Um, the in-house guys, I'm just going to call those two the in-house guys. I know a lot of people are starting to talk, you know, Bilesma, and that, that that's just makes sense in that way. I have leaned towards, if it was an in-house, Lowry from almost day one when he came in. And I we've talked about this, Chris, and other people have talked about, we feel like he was brought in at that late summer. Be just to, you know, make things happen because there was some issues there in that first season type, you know, and like just little insurance deal back there, right? Um, and it was un almost unheard of to have offensive coach, defensive coach, two assistants and, and him, you know, and so they were loading up. And so I, we saw a change, obviously, too. I saw the system tweak a little bit, too, and I can't say it's him, but I can say that management was saying we need to do something a little different here. So I think Lowry had a fair amount to do. The one thing that I don't get is, is look, Lowry's right now, he's an assistant coach and he's a puppet in the system. He's going to go there. He's going to do what he's told, so on and so forth. Let's just scenario. He, uh, hacks is gone. He come, they hire him or whatever. The, the system isn't going to be hacks and it's not, it's going to take, it would be a transition. It wouldn't be an overnight like thing. Cause you can't do that. You can't expect what you, all these players have been taught forever. They went through the hack system, then come back. So I do like his resume. He's never had a head coaching term that long. I think he's deserved of it with his resume. Um, that would be my in-house selection. Now, outside, I'll make this quick. Uh, this can go down. There's not much available, to be honest with you. Um, we can always talk. Just, of, huh? No, I said no other reason. I also did some research on, and not, I didn't do a lot of in-house at outhouse, but it's not a lot. I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, let's it's hard to get information on who's available to be honest with you straight up. Um, yeah. You know, let's just throw names like Gallant out there. I actually like the guy, but he's not an analytic guy. This is an analytic franchise. He'd never work here. I could handle Boudreau any, just for the, what happened in Vancouver and how the turnaround happened and the love for him from the fan base kind of changed me about him. Cause I didn't want him originally because I knew it wouldn't work in this town, knowing how this town is and knowing how he is. But after seeing what happened up in Vancouver, which is almost a carbon copy of this region, 
Um, I, I could look at that easily. <laughs> um, and then the, the Jay Woodcroft situation, pff, none of the Edmonton fans could understand why he got canned other than the losing crap that was going on. Everybody's still got a teary eye over that with Edmonton. So that would be another one. Um, other than that, you know, you've seen what's happened on the flip-flops between Minnesota and your Nashville predator type situation. Those teams are winning right now, both sides of the puck. Uh, the deals work there and you know, this, that's the conversation, man. Um, well, it kind of kicks things off. You know, it's like, it's a big swift kick on the side to do something, you know, drastic. I mean, we've seen that with coaches, you know, getting fired in the middle of the season. I mean, I always think of that old, you know, the team that, uh, the D devil's team, right. The Larry Robinson took over, you know, I mean, yeah. extreme, but you know, yeah. they won the cup, but but you know, but you you do you just see some little jump starting kind of thing often happen in the NHL. Yes. I wouldn't say it happens in all the sports, but in NHL. No, I agree. So that's what I got on that. If 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 I had to look at all this, I, I would be the one to gamble on Lowry. What about Julian? Claude Julian. You know, it's funny. Uh, that's a good point. I looked at that, but then again, I thought, oh man. I mean, first of all, he's been out of action for a little bit, right? And then right. and then I thought. I liked the guy. I actually didn't mind his system, although it was pretty mundane and boring and basic. Um, it, I don't know if it would survive in today's all of a sudden game, uh, especially it's so uh, here. I, the thing about this is when I think about here, I think about the analytic heavy and, right. and let me just, well, do you, do you have more suggestions that you took notes on that you'd like? I have one more. Go, go. Uh, Lane Lambert. Oh, that's that. I looked at that he, as well. Yeah, he's not, he hasn't had that big, uh, that big seat yet. But I think if he's going to take that one, what better way to start than with the Kraken? I think. I agree. You know? I think it's I, a pretty solid fit. I, now, the real, like the realistic part of it, I don't know how realistic it is, but I do like the sound of it. What know? remind me? What's his age? Do you know? Uh, let me let me look that up. Don't have that. Um, I have his stats, but not as. Why don't you go ahead and run down the stats while you got it, just for the kids? Because I was looking at him too, yeah. but I didn't didn't write down the notes on him. And um, I'm aware of him. He's done a bunch of WHL and NHL stuff, and then yep. uh, he was the assistant coach for the Preds, mm -hmm. Caps, and the uh, Islanders. And I think he's still currently there with the Islanders. Got to check on that. But, um, he was working with Trotz, who now here in Nashville. Which fun fact I ran into him the other day at the oh, arena. Wow. Yeah, Sweet. super cool. Right super on. cool. Uh, oh my God, you're Barry Trotz. Hi, how, sweetest <laughs> guy ever, but nicest guy. But he's been with Trotz, and we've seen, I don't know if everyone's paying attention with what's going on with the Preds, but Trotz is turning this team around. No, totally. Um, and so, and he's also was the right-hand man during the Caps uh, 2018 Cup win. So he's got a pretty impressive resume, and he's got the experience other than the main role. And it's kind of like, I don't know. I really like the match. I really like the match. No. Of, it's about time, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, his age again? Did you get it? Oh yeah. Uh, Lane Lambert is. Here we go. Here we go. Drum roll. It's not coming up. <laughs> Dude, hold on. Hold that oh. drum. Apparently, there is a uh, musician named fifty-nine Lane. years old. How much? There you go. Fifty-nine. Nine. Okay. Um, he's young. So the, the thing I kept coming back to, and, you know, Chris, do you have any input on what you, did you look at anything? There's only that, one that guy and we can't do this because Seattle would never, there, there is one. Guy. Oh God, no, go ahead. Let's, no, I gotta say it's too controversial. I'm not, 
PCP, I'm not saying to hire him, but there is a guy who could turn oh God. it around, but I think it's going to take another 10 years for the no. heat to find out. <laughs> Joe Glenville. Oh, whatever. Is that you? Who did you think I was going to say? I thought of it too. I thought of it too. Glenville would, because I wanted, before all the yeah, Blackhawk controversy and everything, when we were before Hackstar, I was like, oh, gee, can we get Joe Quenville? He's somebody I wanted way back when. Yeah. Well, what did you think I was going to say? I don't know. <laughs> Shit, there's probably about five guys you could say. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's true. <laughs> well, four anyway. Four. I'm going to say four. Well, I mean, so, of course, but I mean, he's with, you know, he's. <clears throat> He's with Philly right now, but you know, I oh, just yeah. it'd be funny to have Torts in Seattle. Oh my God! Look, so I, I, everybody knows I actually kind of like Torts. So I do. I have a sauce. I, I'm, I'm never not surprised. I love that. Really? In the wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute, Nick. Seriously? What? I don't know why, but I'm, I'm not surprised that Jim likes uh, uh, Torts. I don't know why. There's because I'm an older guy, guy. To be the honest, Boston guy. You. Well, not only yeah. that, I mean, my coaches I grew up with were like him. So, I mean, right. I know what it's like. He's and I actually enjoy it. Yeah, it's a cool, but it works. Anyway, so. Tort, but yeah. the last thing I'd say about Torts, there are some players that he aggravated the hell out of, but there are some Torts. I, I loved watching Michael Dezato on uh, Spit and Chicklets. Not yeah. so long ago, and he's like, oh, yeah. Would have, I would have played my whole career with Torts. You know, I mean, there are some guys that he really, you know, and uh, I mean, whatever. He's been writing this fumes from the tampa bay days i mean he kept the rangers pretty competitive and after that it hasn't really yeah. done much of anything oh. but although he did turn around the columbus to, to make them competitive for one year but but he's just oh. i love i just want to make the point i don't necessarily want him ever coaching the bruins or the kraken but i love that he's in the nhl well tell me about it so he, yeah. you know as you know chris knowing me over the years i've uploaded several of his rants uh uh youtube rants some of the greatest of all time especially that ring we have the don cherry right now yeah it's a, it, <laughs> his the rangers pittsburgh uh 2000 whatever that was uh 12 13 series when he just let go on the media in there uh this is a gr oh, one of yeah. the greatest clips of all time just so great uh, i'll never get tired of it anyway and yes his coaching and what he's done for some teams but um, my favorite moment is, is cause you know, I'm not a Canucks guy. I used to be, and then I'm South with them now, obviously. But when, remember when he went up to Vancouver and he blew that franchise up in less than a year, Oh, it was a mess. <laughs> huh? It was a mess. Yes, I thought remember his coaching fight? career was over after remember, that. Remember the fight in the hallway on CBC? With oh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So that great. Was, that was gold. So, I mean, and then of course, it, and I tweeted about this earlier in the week about the whole, with the winter classic coming up, I got to tell you guys, this shit's at the back of my head when I always think about, because we were kind of local here, um, the, the whole, uh, heritage classic in Vancouver at BC place between Vancouver and Ottawa, when he pulled the stint of, you know, Luongo's not playing that great. I'm going to freaking sit him. And Eddie Lack gets to start. And that blew yeah. up everything, man. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Luongo so wouldn't let that go. And then Luongo went back down to Florida. And then he finally opened up with the media about it and everything. I was like, dude, that whole scene was unbelievable what he was doing there. I mean, he actually just tortured that franchise in no time. Anyway, that's that in a nutshell. Um, I will tell you this, though. I kept coming back to you know, the word analytic, which is, is a love hate with me, to be honest with you. Um, and it made me do a little more research because I know no matter what they do here, they're always going to be heavy analytic based. Um, and I did some data deep diving stuff and was coming across, um, the last data point on this was like, uh, 2022. 
And, you know, so of all the teams in the league, 32 teams, every NHL franchise has hired from some data perspective, uh, whether they entered in a strategy mode, quantitative data, software engineers, what have you, that have ultimately stayed with the club or maybe their job title has changed, but they've still got in through analytics. Um, the Seattle Kraken have six on their payroll. That's on the higher end of the entire league. The Toronto Maple Leafs are the highest at eight. Okay. The least amount of teams, this is pretty surprising. Minnesota has one. Okay. The Caps, San Jose, Buffalo, Nashville, St. Louis, Florida, Edmonton, and Detroit have two on their staff. Most teams have three to four, but they, like I said, the champions, Toronto, eight, New Jersey, six, Philadelphia, six, Seattle, six. So that's something once you have made your MO from the get-go and made that choice, that's what you're going to stay with. You're not going to drop. You're not going to cut. You're not gonna, I mean, Mandricky got hired and she was the uh, lead on that. And then she became the assistant to GM shortly after that, another year later. So, I mean, once they get in, you know, they're moving about. Um, I was really surprised to see that many with T.O. So, but just just so you know, uh, that's why I, I, I sat there and looked at the coaches and thought, you know, it's going to be analytic heavy. It was usually a younger age coach for one. And there's a lot of guys, old timers that still aren't. Go ahead, Chris. No. Oh, just yeah. Right. So I always thought that was interesting. Um, and we'll never know. And, you know, it may not happen. We may not. We, we may get through this year as is, like you said, Nick, and maybe we turn the corner January one. Maybe we don't, maybe, maybe they just say, screw it. We're going to put some great players that are in the WHL well, that we've drafted anywhere <laughs> and use them as, you know, trade pieces and, and draft picks. We, that's another thing people got to get used to. We're going to lose. If we ever do a deal, whether it's this year deadline or next year from here out, you're going to lose some of your favorite prospects, and we've got some good ones. Well, in order to get one of those big scorers, big veteran scorers, that's that's how you get them. No, exactly. And so, but it kind of reminds me of back in the days when people started realizing how salary caps work with the Seahawks and stuff. I was like, you guys, it just you know, you got a two year window to win that Super Bowl, and once you do, salary caps comes into play. And guys are gone that you love. And th this whole community in 2012, 13, and 14 was like, oh, my God, what's going on? We're losing. Oh, my God. You know, we're losing this guy and this guy and everything. It's because you've got a, a quarterback that makes $64 million or something. I mean, that's just the way things work. You know, well, what I'm just having for our sake, for Kraken Fancast's sake, I'm hoping uh, there's no midseason trade with uh, Dunn or Larson. Okay. So uh, per the, the T-shirt yeah. we're in right now. <laughs> I agree. Even though they've had some... There is a Larson rumor going on right now. Well, I mean, there's I agree. There's a Larson rumor going on right now. Big, I mean, like, I agree with you. All over not, but you know, you know, they've had some struggles lately, which is just tough. The whole team has, but when it starts affecting your number one pairing too, that's how bad a shape things are right now, you know. But yeah, going I mean, back to the to the pretty forward, the big power forward you guys are mentioning with the salary cap, cap increase for next year. Just off the top of your heads, for you guys, who would you put? Uh, who would you would you want in that spot for Seattle? Oh, oh really? You're gonna make me hit the 32 game league open marker right now with a power forward. Yeah, who's <laughs> I don't know. Wait a minute, man. I didn't do my homework on this one. So. <laughs> just off the top of your head. Just, just instinctual. Who would you want? Oh God. In a perfect world, you know, 
Nathan McKinnon. Okay, boom. Oh god. I mean, technically he <laughs> That'll happen easy. Technically right? he can fall into that category. Yeah. yeah. Um He's God, one of my favorite know. players, Nick. I'm just to, to watch. He is, by the way. I've heard it every time. Oh, the McKinnon's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he is. Not, no I mean, I, I'll take pasta over him, but I mean, McKinnon, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's, just, he's sweet yeah. to watch, man. He's just. Uh, Nick, thanks. you know what, Nick? I can't answer that off the top of my head right now. And here's why. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Because as you know, it's what I want more than anybody in a club. I've always wanted a power forward. And this is why, because it's one of the rarest position breed guys out there to, to yeah. find. You just don't find a bona fide Cam Neely, uh, you know, Dave Anderchuk, whoever you want to say in that position from the 90s on. You just don't find soft hands that has hard elbows on the paint that can score and do anything. Yeah. And if we can find that. Uh, within our prospect pool, it's, I don't know, you know, Rakoff's starting to do some wonderful things there at, uh, for the Binghamton Rangers or uh, for the uh, Kitchener. I, I don't think you can call him a power forward or whatever, but I will tell you what, I will get back to you somehow on air or in person and I'll give you an answer. But boy, I don't got anybody off the top. Yeah, of it's a little right early, but we get it's this is a good that's a good question to bring up. Let's do our oh, someone to look out for to maybe to throw on your guys' radar or for anyone listening to the pod, Michael McCarran of the Preds. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. What, sexy? Oh, he's yeah, he's great. Yeah. How many what's kind of contract is he locked into right now? Do you know offhand? Uh no, I can get that in two seconds. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Let's see. Uh, I mean, I would want the last Red Club Bruins game. He he was looking solid out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, the my, our first two Preds games, he he scored in one and like fought in both. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he, I mean, they call him Big Sexy for a reason. You know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Great nickname. Let me see here. He's currently locked in with the Preds till. Let's see here. It looks like this might be his last season. Is that right? Well, there now? you go. What's he pulling down right now? Oof. I want to say league minimum, but I don't want to insult Okay, him. well, then there you go. He's going to get some heavy competition from the market. That's for sure. If that's what he is. And he is. I know that for a fact. You know, guys like, I sit there and think of guys like, uh, there's no real big power forwards that are uh, popping out, you know, on the numbers game that's standing out other than like, you know, you threw your McKinnon out there, he, but he's an all arounder. He's just a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But like, I think a guy's sure. like, you know, how well would Trent Frederick do in a different market all of a sudden, you Ooh, know, that's interesting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, there's my Bruin Homer stuff going on there, but I do like his game. There's no question about it. Someone is a little more of a scorer than that. I mean, there. Trent's tough and he's bit. Yeah. But but the, for the Trent. amount of minutes he pulls, he produces regardless. Uh, he produces yeah. in one way or another. You know what I mean? And he's getting better. He getting he's top getting six? Yes. gradually better. I mean, better. if you, he had top six minutes on a team with the right combo of guys, you never know what somebody like that could do. But I will get back to you, Nick, uh, on that and whatever. And, you know, that being said, on the longest answer to uh, a question <laughs> in, in this show, thank you. Uh, my name is Jasmine. Uh, for the question, I hope that kind of answered you, and I hope we just got carried away on that answer as well. Yeah. So it's a well. Is it obviously it's, it's not a uh, perfect uh, you know science here. They they could come up with somebody uh, totally out of left field. This might not happen at all, or it might. Uh, I I think Lowry or Bilesman. I would think it would be one or the other. 
I, I agree. If they went beyond that, uh, that's if that happened this year, or even if it happened, you know, they kept with Haxtell and they made a change after. You know, those two guys just seem poised to be be the next ones. Well, well, more more than McFarland or, or Leach, I would guess. Oh yeah. So um, anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it would just be better, guys. Seattle cracking that is, guys. Uh, just start winning, huh? Just figure Please. it out. Let's just win. We don't have to think about this anymore. Anyway, a full 60 minutes. Not 40. Not not 40. Oh, yeah. And play more than 40 minutes. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, play 60, please. Yeah, at least 60. Even 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 Hackstall and the other guys have said that on the pressers. So it's not just us, folks. Yeah, even the players are saying it. Yeah, even the players are saying it post game. They all know they're in the biggest funk in their history. Every player. So yeah. Yeah. That's uh it's sad to see, but a lot of hockey left, a lot, a lot of NHL hockey left. So uh, may it, uh, you know, scales uh, tip the other way soon. Nick Krill, thanks so much for joining us. This is awesome. Yeah, man. man. You fit in yeah, perfectly. Super fun. Dude, that thanks. was great. First time with us. We really appreciate it. We had a long one today, man. We, you yeah, we did. Well, and that, no complaints. This is great stuff. Love so. that. No, same here. Yeah. All right, Absolutely. buddy. Absolutely. Well, uh, that, that about wraps up our episode today. I uh, remember, folks, we alluded to it. Buy our T-shirts. Go to CLCrackenFanCast.com, click on the shop link, and you'll be brought to our T-shirt play- page. Um, we have a handful of Doug and Larson flying. Uh, they've been they've been flying out the door, but we've got a few XLs left, just a few. Uh, but we've got a lot more of the uh, Kraken FanCast, the very stylish and nice-looking ones, I think. Uh, I know I'm biased, but Kraken FanCast T-shirts, uh, we appreciate the support. Um, thanks, as always, for tuning in. Remember uh, to... Keep uh, keeping the loop about us on Twitter slash X, where our handle there is at Cast Kraken. We had Jasmine send us a, a note there, and uh, we appreciate that. We're also on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Uh, podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and our own website, which we highly recommend you go to from time to time. It's SeattleKrakenFanCast.com. And, um, you know, we're, we're very grateful for all the support. So, Jim Cockrell. Even for Nathan Gunderson, he couldn't make it last minute, but it's all good. We'll get Nathan back on soon. Uh, Much thanks to our producer, Jay Middleton, as always. We wouldn't be doing this without him. So cheers, Jay. Uh, I'm Chris Porter. We thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say go Go crack it. Crack it.